Happy birthday to you. We believe uh, that every person in our community has a special and valuable part. And uh, we recognize there's a special grace on Samuel Pinner. I uh, believe he is a special prophetic sign to us, um, just like his namesake was a prof special prophetic sign to the people of God back 3,000 years ago. Um, and also, uh, someone who has served in like a, a, a Moses or Samuel type role for this ministry, you know, David's ministry wouldn't have been, and his role wouldn't have been what it was without Samuel. Without Samuel, there's not a David. Samuel was God's agent to empower David, um, and then David um, really um, oversaw millions and gave, in today's money, billions of dollars to build in future generations what God wanted built. But that came back to Samuel, and without Hannah, Samuel's mom, there's no Samuel. Um, so the praying woman in the temple, uh, the tabernacle there at Shiloh, led to Samuel, which led to David, which led to um, history being shifted forever. All that being said, we celebrate Samuel on his sixth birthday today. Um, and it, wait, seventh, seventh, I've six turning seven. Celebrate Samuel on his seventh birthday today, and um, the guy who served as a Samuel for our ministry, John Kohlberg, he and his wife visited uh, a couple months back, and he has been instrumental in uh, behind the scenes with dwelling from the very start. He's uh, in, in oversight over our ministry. It is his birthday today. He is turning 40 today, so very special biblical number. Um, so we want to celebrate our special people. All right, um, kids, come on forward. Come on. come on down, kids. I'm so glad you're here, Elias. It's good to have all these blonde-haired guys and Leon. <laughs> He's like, uh, Ad Adani and Noel were fighting for that dominant hair color. <laughs> yeah, well, your hair's getting lighter with the sun. <laughs> That's true. You're not a guy. All these guys in Zion. Guys, what I wanted to talk to you about today is restful warriors. Now, a lot of times we don't think of those two words going together, restful and warrior, but that's actually what God calls us to be, restful warriors, peaceful soldiers. He wants us to fight for rest, and from the place of rest, we go out and fight. Isn't that interesting? I can tell, Elias, you're a soldier. You're a warrior. 
I can tell Phineas is a son of peace. But I can also see Phineas is a mighty warrior. And I see that Elias is a child of peace. In the Bible, God calls us soldiers in God's army. David was a mighty warrior. But David was also a man of peace. He loved peace. In fact, David fought all these battles, and it said God gave David victory wherever he went. Can you guys say victory? Victory. But God didn't want David to fight forever. There was a point when it says God gave David rest from his enemies on every side. Wherever he looked, all he saw was peace. Peace there, peace there, peace there, peace. There was peace and rest all around. So let me take um, two examples here. So Zion, can you sit right there? And who wants to sit on this one? You want to sit on this one? All right. Elias, you can sit right there. So Zion is going to be restful. Elias is going to be warrior. Okay? So you have to look like a warrior. Yeah. <laughs> you got to look really peaceful. There you go. Every one of us, because of God's calling on our lives and because he's created us in Christ Jesus, is called to be restful and a warrior. That's our mobile warrior over there. Jumping off like a hero. And there are people waiting for Phineas, waiting for Zion, for Samuel, waiting for Zadok, waiting for Elias, waiting for Leon, waiting for Hosea. There are people waiting for you guys to bring them peace because they're getting beat up by the devil. And they're waiting for warriors like you guys, to bring them peace, to bring them rest. And then once you get them free from their fight and you give them rest, then they can become restful warriors and they can go free the other people who are getting oppressed and beat up by the devil. So in summary, I want to declare over each of you you are warriors of peace. You are restful soldiers. And from that place, the place of your identity, who you are in Jesus Christ, you will change the earth. You will deliver people from death. And you will raise up more deliverers. There shall be deliverance on Mount Zion. There will be deliverers on Mount Zion. All right, let's break it down on restful warriors, okay? Yeah, put your peaceful paws in here. Finish, you coming?
All right, restful warriors on three. One, two, three. Restful warriors. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for active participation. Um, okay, so no pressing announcements. If you are new tonight, the bathroom is right through here, um, a little bit to the left, and you'll see it down there. Um, we, for those ladies in the group, we have a ladies group that meets every Thursday night, and it's a lot of fun, and it's really special and really sweet. Oh, wow. For how long? Okay. Okay, um, so and anybody who is a woman is welcome to come. Emma's also welcome to come because it's for high schoolers and up. Um, and also, um, Trenton just told me they are leaving for Canada for two weeks. What? Just two weeks. No big deal. <laughs> that's huge, Rachel. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, that's really, really big. So you're leaving tomorrow. Uh-huh. Okay. So if you didn't hear a therapy appointment, too, on their way in Louisville, so just prayers for that as well. Is there anything specific for the trip that you, you all would? Uh-huh. Okay. A lot of God's grace. I know that the trip to Israel was unexpectedly good. So let's pray for that and for more grace even for this trip. <laughs> okay. Okay, so that's coming up um, for them, and we can definitely pray into that. And if you guys can keep us updated on the text thread, that'd be awesome. Um, for those of you who are visiting, if you want to be up-to-date, just sort of regular up-to-date, we do Instagram and Facebook, some. And um, if you really want to be in the loop, let us know, and we will put you on our text thread. But you'll get a lot of texts, so be sure <laughs> before you commit to the text thread. Um, it's an awesome way for us to keep in contact because it keeps us con in contact in real time. But um, it's a lot of texts. So, um, Do you want to add on or do you want me to add on? Trav mentioned that Dara and Will are here and they'll probably be heading out before too long. You guys stay as long as you can. But if you wanted to pray for them and you didn't get the chance to pray for them, Please just go on back and pray for them. Um, it's a big transition for them, and there's a lot of moving parts, and they would just really appreciate the prayer. So um, that can happen at any time. They're back there kind of monitoring the boys, but I'll, I'll be happy to go back and do that whenever they need to come up. So I think that's it. As for, can anybody else think of announcements? So we decided – okay, sorry, I didn't even get you the chance to respond – before you respond, <laughs> uh, we also decided that we're not going to have an official kid supervision during the summer. We just didn't have quite enough people. And since like at least half of us are gone during the summer, we just decided to let that go. So if we happen to have a huge group of kids one week, I'll probably say, hey, do we have some volunteers this week? And we'll go back and we'll have our normal time. But um, other than that, we're not going to have anything official, just so everybody knows. Um, 
Okay, does anybody else have any announcements that I didn't think of mentioning? Okay. Well, speaking of some upcoming things, sometime later this month, um, in the next two or three weeks, my brother, who is um, the middle one, not Michael, uh, will be coming and sharing. He's going to be doing a teaching on whatever God's been putting on his heart. Um, I'm really excited about this because I really believe that God has blessing to bring through Benjamin, who I call Benj. Um, and I think you guys will really be encouraged by what God has put in him. And I think it'll be really good for him, too. And I'm hoping his um, three boys and his wife can come. Their boys play all kinds of sports, and Saturdays have really been a busy day for them. But uh, Benj and I have been in conversation for months now, and uh, he's going to come and probably teach several times. But the first time, um, what we're shooting for is this month. Um, next month, we are going to uh, have a very special dedication of baby Leon. We're very grateful to have our babies and this son uh, is, uh, is a gift and we want to just bless him. So that's going to be in July, July 15th. 15th. Um, so Noel um, and her family will be here and Adani and his family will be here. It'll be Adani's family's first time to the States in how long? Eight years. So they brought him when he was a little, uh, I was about to call you a little teenager. <laughs> when he was a teenager, they brought him uh, to the United States, and, and, and um, Adani started that fall. That's when we met in 2015. Um, they haven't been back since, so it's going to be amazing. The first time they're seeing uh, Leon, and uh, it will be such a blessing to have um, his family here with us. So really looking forward to that. Um, and then looking towards the end of the summer, It'll be here before you know it. We're going to have our annual uh, dwelling luau at Uncle Tim and Aunt Debbie's. Um, and we'll look forward to that. So get your, your lays ready. And I'm sure Uncle Tim will do some of his smoked pork or whatever. Um, but we'll, we'll look forward to that. Um, there's some other things coming up, but we'll tell you all um, as needed. Um, the first thing I wanted to, to do was... Um, here in just a moment, ask Rachel if you would just come and give an update of what's going on with your life and anything that God's teaching you. Um, we would love to hear anything. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful. So, yep, Trav, that's right. I'm so grateful um, for the people that God has brought across our paths. Um, I just mentioned to Donnie how um, I got connected to him in 2015, and here we are. Uh, doing ministry together all these years later, and I've watched him since he was a teenager just grow up into the husband, father, um, businessman that he is. It's just amazing. But when Karis told me that Rachel was going to be in town, um, I, I was just reflecting on when we first got connected with Rachel, um, and she was a teenager at, at, at Asbury, a freshman, and um, that's right when we were starting up um, meeting as a church body, we'd been meeting this ministry before that, but like as um, we were meeting on Sunday mornings, and Rachel was a part of those um, students who came in 2017, and there was a whole bunch of uh, Asbury kids who got involved, but as the 
time went on, the numbers kept whittling down, kind of like Gideon's army principle. Um, and there wasn't much left after the, the Rhine, or uh, af- besides the Reinhardts and Nicholas and Rachel um, and just a couple others. And uh, I am just amazed. It's hard to believe that those four years, you, it just went by so quickly. Um, but Rachel, from the very start, just opened up her heart to Jesus. Jesus who, in Revelation it says, Jesus is the one who walks in the midst of the lampstands. He walks in the midst of His churches. He's walking in the midst of us. And Jesus walking in the midst of dwelling ministries, walking in those days in the midst of our living room when we were meeting there, Rachel just opened her heart up to Jesus. And we got to witness God um, manifest Jesus in her life and watch her grow into this beautiful woman of God. Um, and I, I just still remember that freshman year when you had a vision, you know, this, and you were seeing, uh, you were having a vision of walking down uh, into a tunnel and it was dark, and, but the Lord was with us and there was light at the end. Um, and it, it was just very encouraging to me. And you have... You have stood, you stood that test because that's a lot of what God has had this community walk through, a dark time, but you stayed true to the Lord. You stayed true to us and, uh, you beat the odds. You did what is uncommon. A lot of people heard Jesus teach and they liked his fish sandwiches, you know, (laughs) but not many clung to him, uh, like Mary, uh, of Magdalene did, um, uh, Mary, Mary Magdalene, you have been like that. And I recognize that. I honor that. It's, it's uh, an amazing blessing to me, to Karis, and to the rest of us. Um, and so I just wanted to honor you, Rachel, and tell you we are so proud of you and uh, so glad that God has given you uh, a husband, a man of God, and that you are now uh, Rachel Mojica, um, which is just a really cool name. I mean, it's really cool. Um, why don't you come up and share anything that's going on in your life, where you're at, what's going on, and whatever else God is speaking to you. Um, so, um, as you said, I recently got married in December, so that's been, you know, big life change. Um, and I'm currently in medical school um, at Lincoln Memorial. It's it's in the edge of nowhere um, between Tennessee and Kentucky. And um, this has been like one of the hardest seasons of my life. Um, just meds, I mean, I'm not sure who's familiar with med school or has family. I know I think Karis has families and who's um, physicians, but it is no joke. <laughs> and um, I've been humbled in so many ways. I think that's probably the biggest thing I can take away from this season. Um, Of course, marriage is exposing and humbling that um, I can be petty sometimes or just so silly. But um, I think just I've been really humbled that I literally can do nothing without Jesus. Like I'm just like I think that, yeah, I, I really am a loss for words for that. And I know it's not like a new message, but I, like, I cannot love, I cannot know the Lord. I can't worship the Lord. I can't 
even like pray without the Holy Spirit. And I am just um, been ever aware of my weaknesses in this um, season, but it's been so encouraging because like we have a helper and we have a comforter and I've been able to lean into that um, so much in this season. And, um, and so I don't know, I, I guess that's really like all that has really been on my heart is just like true humility before the Lord. And I think in this hour of such um, trying and testing and spiritual warfare, not only like I think amongst the church, but in our nation that I think there's like a warrior spirit like in to have to like take back what is the Lord's, but also there's such humility because the battle's not ours, it's the Lord's. And I have been ever aware of that too. It's like, I, like the battle is God's and we wage not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And he's like, he's already won. He's already taken back the keys. And so I have just been like also rejoicing in that victory where I feel like I've been losing in like every area of my life. And I've been humbled. I've also been reminded that he's already won. And that if I'm here, like in med school, if I'm here in, in med school, it's because the Lord had me here. And it wasn't out of my own volition. It's because God had something for me. And so I think um, that's also been encouraging to me because I'm like, well, I wasn't here because I did something. So I think that's all I have. Thank you, Rachel. Does anybody else have something on their heart? Anything you want to speak of or testify about? Just want to give space for, out of the overflow of your heart, for your mouth to speak. I thought this might be for your sister, but maybe it's more general than that. I felt like during the worship time, the Lord was telling me that this is a time of untangling, that God's good at untying knots. It's a time of new clothing, new improved purpose, a fullness of life. And then I could see us wearing white, um, I feel like he was saying this is a season of uprooting and replanting and then deeply rooting in love. And I felt like he was also showing me that we're under a huge umbrella of love and that he was saying no more time of decay. This is a time of new life. And he, he just said, let your feet follow in the new paths. Thank you, Laura. Does anybody else have something? Um, 
Yeah, just quickly, almost a little bit in line with what Laura was saying, but it's just been a crazy season of my life <laughs> in just so many ways, like one thing after another. Um, and I've just kind of gotten like this almost sort of like righteous anger or something about the things in my life that aren't good. Um, and like Trenton and I will have like a back and forth frustrated conversation and I'll be like, we don't have time for this. <laughs> like Jesus is coming back. We don't have time to talk like this with each other anymore. Like we don't have time to like, I'm, I'm done like living this way. <laughs> I'm done living from just not being in the fullness of what God has for me. And it's kind of like a daily thing where it's like, you know, I'll get like frustrated with Phineas and it's like, Phineas, I'm so sorry for talking to you in a frustrated voice. Like, I don't have time for that anymore. I don't have time to live that way. Um, there's just not time anymore for the church for us to like live that way. And, um, and I just like, it's not like I repent and then I'm perfect because it's like every day it's like, no, I don't, I can't live that way anymore. Like, don't have time for it. There's no time for it. We can't walk in the fullness of what God has for us if we don't leave those old paths, like Laura was saying. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I wanted to speak about a small interaction that happened this last week between uh, me and my sister. So uh, for those of you that don't know, and I won't go into too much detail, um, I came from an abusive home life. And I left everything except for my person laptop in Texas two years ago, two and a half now. And my sister, I have a younger sister. She and I are only 10 months apart, and we're super close in age and also super close. She was like my best friend growing up. So she took it pretty hard whenever I left and was angry with me. And then our relationship started coming back around. But for the past year or so, since it started coming back around, it is now coming back around to trying to get me back in that relationship that I don't need to be with, with my mom and my stepdad. Um, I went, I went basically no contact um, because of the severity of the situation, and it's difficult for people to understand unless they've been in that thing, in that sort of situation. So I, I can relate to people that, like, I can relate to the aspect of God being a father, and I was expecting this interaction to go pretty badly with my sister. She was, she knows that Nicholas and I are serious about one another, and she's like, so when you get married, are you going to invite mom to the wedding? And I said, I, I can't do that. I said, um, hold on, let me get my phone. I'd actually, I had, I had an older sister that ran away from home for the same reasons. I didn't run away, I went back to college. But it was still, my mom took it pretty hard, and my older sister ran away when I was 17, and 
she she had some mental health issues where even though she's like 28, she's only mentally about 12 or 14. And she ran off with a homeless dude and had a baby with him and now it's just a huge mess. And my mom didn't take it very well when that happened. And so whenever I left, even though I left under, I left to go to a safe place, it was still pretty hard for my mom. And like kind of a, a lesson in loving people from a distance and I don't have any ill will towards her, but I did, I did write my mom a letter back in January trying to explain what happened, why we can't be in contact. Um, so this is something that I sent my sister. I said, I love her because she's my mom, but she's done things to us that can't be excused just because she's our mom. I probably won't invite her. I sent her a letter in January explaining why we can't be in contact, and she hasn't said anything or tried to apologize. I feel like I've done and said all that I can to repair the relationship. She has my phone number for emergencies. My life is somewhat peaceful at this time, and I'd like to keep it that way. Either way, only people that will have been sent an invitation can come. And Cheyenne said, she hasn't said anything or apologized because you told her to have no contact. And I said, no. In the letter it said, I want to have a better relationship with you, but that can't happen, and this is me talking to my mom in a, in a letter. I want to have a better relationship with you, but that can't happen unless you own up to the pain you've caused me in your unhealed state. I'm sorry that, that you lost yourself among the sacrifices of motherhood, but until you find yourself again and a way towards healing, I can't be in contact with you except for cases of, of emergencies. I want to share my life with you, but it isn't safe to do that right now. So telling Cheyenne meaning that if she gets healing and help, we can talk. And I didn't know what to expect out of my sister because she, she didn't get the worst of it and she still has kind of a working relationship with mom and she still, I guess she just still hasn't realized the severity of the situation. And it was such a blessing that Cheyenne said, I don't understand, but I respect your decision on that. And I was talking to Nicholas, and I said, if it came down to it, if Cheyenne tried to drag me back into that life, that Jesus has given me new life, I would have to not be in contact with her anymore. And Cheyenne saying that was such a relief. I don't understand, but I respect your decision. Because I was telling Nicholas, I said, my sense of self-preservation and my sense of love are at war with one another. Where there are some people that you love, but you have to shake the dust off your feet because they are just, they're hurting you. And these, my parents were hurting me in the name of Jesus, which hurt my relationship with Jesus. And that was, that was work that Jesus was doing behind the scenes to still allow me to have a relationship with my younger sister when she said, I don't understand, but I respect your decision on that. Thank you, Erica. Anybody else have something?
My name's Christine. We're not uh, from here. We are actually traveling, and we're visiting, and we've been doing ministry. We have, um, I just want to say, you guys have something really special here. It was so sweet, and what I heard was there's a pioneering that you've been doing, and I, that's, I don't, and I, this is what I'm sensing, and it hasn't been easy in the pioneering of what you carry, and um, it's different, and it's new, and it's special, and um, it's family, and it's what it's supposed to look like in the church, and so I just want to honor you guys because this is really beautiful and the word you gave to the children I mean that was beautiful we are traveling uh, in fifth wheels and trailers there's five families Uh, I have ten and another family has eight and four and two and so in one and we're just we are all together and um, doing different conferences different things and Anyway, it's been just really special coming here, and I just, you guys, he was speaking last week, and we got to just come, and there was just such a beauty, and um, just what you carried for people who are new, or, or, you know, just, there wasn't this resistance or this fear, and so I just wanted to say thank you guys, and just even hearing people come up and speak and talk and sharing their heart, like, you can see that this is such a safe place, and it's not, uh, you know, I'm the only one here. So I just, I just appreciate that. I just honor you guys for that. And I just say, speak a blessing over this place and whatever you're pioneering to keep going and that it would grow and it would catch fire and that there would be more and that there would be a, a pulling of people's hearts to pull in and training and growth and, and, and healing. I, I'm just hearing healing, healing in the places that needed healing. And so I just thank you guys. Thank you for letting me share. Was it Christy or Christine? Christine, thank you for your encouragement. Um, Almost, yeah, about exactly 14 years ago um, when Karis and I were living in Ohio, and it was, yeah, it was right at the beginning of June, and God had made a clear call to call us back to Kentucky. Um, And we went to a cookout with some friends that we'd recently made, and it was a really God connection. Um, only knew these people for a couple months before we left Ohio, but it's we're still friends to this day. Um, so they had a cookout with a bunch of people we didn't know at all, and they said, we want to pray for you guys and just see what God will say to send you con- to Kentucky. Um, and one of the things they said was, um, we, we, we hear that you're... I, I, the lady said, I hear the name Nicholas, Nicholas, Nicholas. <laughs> and uh, who knew that years later we would have Nicholas uh, living in our basement. Um, and that also he would, uh, my primary ministry right away in, in those years and now again has been to Nicholasville. Um, and so that lady had no idea. But she also said 
um, something, a phrase that always stuck with me. She said, you're going to Kentucky to blaze a trail with your Heavenly Father. Um, and I know the pioneering word has been important for Davey. Um, and so thank you for speaking um, to our hearts. And I hope uh, you guys heard that. Um, again, this is someone who, who, who is just speaking from their heart towards us. And we have so much that we can grow into, all right? We're, we're very um, young and undeveloped in what God has for us as his people. But the fact that someone says family and safety over us, that's a real encouragement. So thank you all because you make that happen with the Holy Spirit. Um, I wanted to read a few verses here um, and what was on my heart as when I showed up to the prayer meeting and just saying a few uh, pleasantries to Laura and uh, something just came into my mind and um, as I was talking with her and Uncle Tim and I felt encouraged to read this um, from Isaiah 6 and to spur us on to perceive what God is doing right now with us. I think there's a lot of work going on undercover, like stealth. Um, and we're missing a lot, but not because we're like being ignorant or, um, or ignoring God. He just, it's the glory of God to hide a matter. That's what it says in the Bible. Another place it says, surely you are a God who hides himself. Um, and then one of the prophets says, I will praise uh, God who is, hiding, who is hiding from his people, Jacob. It's like God uh, sometimes ordains these times where he hides himself. He hides his smiling face. Doesn't mean he's not smiling, but he hides it. Um, he hides his hand, which is the thing that orders our lives. So we feel like, what, where's the order of God? Well, he's doing that strategically. So I just want to read from here and then connect that. I don't even know exactly where I'm going to go with that, but I just I wanted to say Isaiah 6, and God is doing something in the, um, the hiding and the the unknown right now. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. 
with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. God is always strategic. He never is without a plan. He always knows what he's doing. The famous passage that um, we're familiar with, for I know the plans I have for you, says Yahweh. Plans for good, to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. And God is speaking there to his people, to a whole nation. But that's personal too. He knows the plans he has for Chance. He knows the plans he has for Bob. He knows the plans he has for each of us. He's not thinking up, what could I do with so-and-so in the days ahead? David said, all my days have been numbered before you. My book was written. Before I speak a word, you know what's on my tongue. God has designed us to be free-willed creatures. At the same time, we are imprisoned to his sovereignty. He knows what we're going to do. He knows what he's going to do with us. And there is a peace when we come in to submission to the reality. When we fight against reality, it's like when Saul um, was, the, the New Testament Saul, he was trying to fight against reality. He was going forward with re religion and was fighting against reality. And Jesus had to knock him off his high horse, his religious horse, and he said, look, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You're, you're trying to go the opposite direction. You're trying to go in man's strength. You're trying to go in human for God. But I'm trying to show you God who is human. Human who is God. I'm trying to reveal to you the reality. And reality actually has a name. Reality, the name of reality is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am reality. All things consist in him. All of future is going to be summed up in Christ. He holds all things together by the word of his power. So the galaxies are held together by the word of his power. That's a pretty powerful word. There's a lot of weight to the words that Jesus speaks with. There's a lot of weight to his breath. When he breathes, he is holding the galaxies, the universe together. So I want to speak some of these truths, these biblical truths over us, trusting that God's spirit is with them to come into a greater agreement for us, an agreement with truth, an agreement with reality, because the more we can come into agreement with reality, with God's reality, the better things are going to be for us. And I believe this is a present reality right now, just like there was a certain day, and Isaiah wrote, in the year that King Uzziah died, and I can't remember exactly what year it was, um, somewhere in the 700s, I think, maybe, Trenton, um, 700s BC, somewhere around there. There was a specific year when that king passed away, and it was a big deal because he was a you know, well-established king. When he died, something important was happening, Okay. We are in an important time right now. There are things that are dying. There are leaders that are being taken down. 
There are other leaders that are raising up. There is deception, deep darkness on the earth, deep darkness over people. There is confusion. We are at a very strategic time right now. It's a Kairos moment. And in this time, God is doing some hidden things. And yes, we can see that um, he's, he's moving and we can see that certain things are happening. But what I want to talk about is the hidden things that God's doing right now. I want to encourage you that if you are feeling a bit baffled right now, that is a good sign. If you're feeling baffled in your personal life, that is a good sign. And also, let me couple that with this. If you think you have everything nailed down and you know the ins and outs of your life right now, I warmly welcome you and encourage you to bring that heart before God and say, Lord, search me and know me. Make sure that I'm walking in reality here. Because right now, if any human, any spirit-filled, prophetic, charismatic, you know, Elijah-less believer, anybody right now thinks they have a grip on what's happening, you don't. Because God has ordained there to be an ignorance right now. He doesn't want us to stay stupid. But we have to know that we are sheep with no intelligence. And our only hope is the shepherd. I'm going to keep us safe here, Emma, by, by this. If, if you don't have this down, meh, meh, meh. If, if you're better at explaining Bible verses than doing what I just did right there, come before the Lord with a humble heart and ask him to change you. This is not the hour to quote your favorite book of the Bible. Absolutely dive into the scriptures and satiate your hunger. But this is not the time to show your notebook with 37 days of devotionals done. Okay? But don't forsake your devotional if God's meeting you there. This is the time Meh, meh, meh. Just to be kind of like wandering around, looking for the next little patch of grass. That's where Rachel Penner's at right now. They're gonna, they're migrating across the pasture of Louisville, see if they can get some medical professional help. And then they're gonna migrate north to Canada, graze on some grass up there. Rachel means little lamb. We've got Rachel Penner, Rachel Mojica, and Rachel Fomley. Let every word be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Okay, we've got, that's right, and Dara's middle name is Rachel. That's right. So we got three plus one, a bonus. Guys, God wants us to be in the safe place. The shepherd, one of the main things he does is he keeps his sheep safe. A safe place for us right now is knowing that we're fragile, unintelligent, but dearly cared for. It says in the Bible, in Isaiah, 
that the Lord carries his lambs close to his heart. He carries us close to his heart. Our call right now is to be a lost little lamb. Lost in the heart of God. Lost intellectually. And again, I'm not advocating to like make yourself stupid. But I am encouraging you to embrace your stupidity. Embrace your lack of spiritual intelligence. You're not your own leader. You're not your own master. You are not your own, period. You've been bought with a price. You are the clay. He is the potter. Who are you to tell him how to make you? An inanimate pot is totally dependent on the potter or the one who's cooking, baking, whatever, to pick that thing up. There is a time for us to go and do and to pursue and to figure out. God gave us a brain. He made brains. They're not bad. But there is a time when he says, leave the brain and pick up the bad. That's it. This is one of those times. It's, it's sheep o'clock right now. It's time to be a sheep, not really knowing what's going on, and learn how to do something that we've never really done before. That's actually trust. I am so grateful that God has granted the grace to the people here. Okay, I'm speaking specifically to you guys. But also there's other people on the earth too. He's granted the grace for us to have a humble heart enough to welcome the presence of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I make no apology for that grace that's been given to us. And I recognize it as a grace that comes from the humility of God. It's much harder to do Christianity when you're rejecting the things like the spiritual gifts. Uh, I believe that's an affront to Jesus. Uh, there's nothing good about it. I understand why some people have, but there's not anything good about it. So, it's a very good thing for us to be open to God's Spirit moving, to praying, and to moving in the gifts of His Spirit and power. I'm so grateful that we do that as a community. And without God's grace, we couldn't. But let me say this. There is something that's not even to be compared with moving in the gifts of the Spirit. It's authentic trust. And Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, look, you could have faith to move mountains. So he's talking about you could have all these powers of the Holy Spirit moving mountains. You don't get much more powerful than that. Okay? And you could fathom all kinds of prophetic mysteries. Like John on Patmos, he's like seeing the end of the world and you could have the greatest prophetic anointing. You could be a power, miracle-working minister. Those aren't bad things. Those are actually good because they point to Jesus. And they are demonstrations of what Jesus wants on the earth. But Paul says, look, you could do all that, and it means nothing if you don't have love. And then when he goes on to explain love, he says, love always trusts. So one of the key elements of us loving God is to come into genuine trust. And I want to submit 
to you what has been submitted to me, that we have hardly begun to actually trust God. I'm convinced that if we can begin in God's eyes to actually trust him, that it will bring a completely new reality to the earth. God is looking. His eyes are searching throughout the earth for a human who will actually trust him. And let me say it this way. He's looking for a human being who will submit to being a sheep. He's looking for someone who will recognize their helplessness, recognize their lack of intelligence, recognize their weakness, recognize their dependence, and resign themselves to simply feeding in the pasture where they are. And your grass may be more humble circumstances than you would want for right now. Your grass may be responsibilities that you would rather not have. Your grass may be in a place that you'd rather not be. Your grass might be great and you're like really loving the taste of it and it's not too bad. I can't define your specific circumstances. But what I can tell you is this. There is a pasture for you and there are clumps of grass for you right now. And God is hiding himself in the midst of that pasture. He's hiding himself, but he's there. He's doing something important. And the important thing, uh, the details, I don't know. He'll, he'll show you what you need to know. But the important thing is this. He is training you to embrace your sheep nature. And the point is not to, uh, that, that's not the greatest point. The greatest point is you're a sheep, which means he's the shepherd. He wants you, it's important to know you're a sheep, but then to know that he is your shepherd. He's the one who leads you in the right path for his name's sake. So I want to bless you. I want to come alongside with other things that have been said here. I'm going to come alongside with what one of the sheep said, Rachel Penner. We don't have time, she was saying. Like, let me, let me put it in this context specifically. We don't have time to try to control our lives. <laughs> we don't have time to try to figure things out. And don't take that in a heavy-handed, pressured way. Take it as a liberating way. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, you don't, you don't have time to, you don't have to waste time trying to figure your life out. That, that's not yours. You're, you're sheep. You, you, don't have, you don't have to worry about that. That's not on you. It's not on you to figure out your life. It's on you to bat and follow the shepherd. And if that was up to human intelligence, well, then it would only be the smartest. If it was up to human devotion, it would be only the, the most religious, the most dedicated but that's still strength of a person. It's not up to devotion. It's not up to intelligence. It's not up to man's will. It's up to the grace of God. So, right now, it's time to just trust.
Do I have this figured out? No, I'm hearing it. And I'm saying, God, have mercy on me because I'm, I need help trusting you, God. I need help trusting. And I'm calling us because I hear the Spirit of God calling us into that trust. Trust like we've never trusted before. And what Laura said, no more decay, okay? It's a dead and decaying way to live. It's a way of death when we try to lead ourselves. We can't lead ourselves. We have to let go of that decaying way of death and let the Lord lead us. Let me bring it to that Isaiah 6 again. Isaiah, when he saw the king high and lifted up, he saw the Lord Almighty. He said there, woe is me. I am ruined. Okay? That word can be translated ruined. It can be translated finished. It can be translated undone. It can be translated lost, ruined, finished, undone, lost. An, one version says, it's all over. Here's what I want to say, okay? It, it, this is companion imagery to the sheep thing. Isaiah, it's like all of a sudden, he's like, up, oh, my reality's done. I he just got fried. I'm finished. I'm ruined. All my intelligence. He was probably, I mean, he's probably a pretty schooled Jewish kid. You know, I, he was Isaiah's son of Amos. Maybe his dad, I don't know, maybe it's written uh, in other scholarly historical um, accounts. Maybe his dad was like a priest or, um, or a prophet. I think Jeremiah's dad was a priest. He was probably raised a lot, around a lot of God knowledge, and he certainly was amongst the people who knew the most about God. They had the revelation of who Yahweh, the one true God, was. But Isaiah said, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm ruined. All my knowledge means nothing. I saw the Lord. And I believe right now we are actually in Isaiah 6 moment, but the way it's flipped on its head is instead of like this lightning bolt from God's throne zapping us like Isaiah did, like outwardly, we are in a greater place of grace almost 3,000 years later, and God is zapping us by undoing our reality, by, by his power. The one on the throne is saying, I am on the throne. You are not the king of your life. I'm the king. Your king, Uzziah, died. Your king, you, you the old man, you the old king, you're dead now, and here I am, high and lifted up. I'm high and lifted up, and let me tell you something. If you're catching what I'm saying right now, he says, you should see that your reality is ending. Your reality is becoming lost. You are becoming ruined. So I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. This is good news. I want to release you and give you liberty to get lost. If you leave here 
if you leave here in a greater place of being baffled, success. If this week, by the end of next week, if you are more at a loss for what's going on in your life, that's good. You've received with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. God wants to save us from our figuring out. He wants to save us from our prophetic perception. Let me say it the right way. He wants us to see what he's showing us. But he wants so to receive it, but just keep it like this. Like, God, this place of surrender. Thank you, Lord, for what you're showing me. But, God, the more you show me, the more I don't know. So I want to bless you to walk in liberty, to be free, to be free, free of not figuring it out, free of being baffled, free of being ruined, lost, undone, finished, all over. Man, that's it. Don't have anything else to say. Just, bah, bah, bah. That is the safe place for us right now. Anything more than that, trying to make intelligible speech about what's going on. You know, I basically could have come up and given this message by just bang the whole time and then put that, sat down and be like, what was that? I got the same message across. You just got you know, weirded out and like, what? And maybe I just said Isaiah 6 and sheep, and then that's, that's it. I'm just saying a few more intelligible words. Uh, I just kind of felt like it. Hopefully, God's using them. The last thing I'll say is Lazarus. So sheep, Isaiah, Lazarus, okay? Lazarus was not working hard when he was waiting on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord, and he will strengthen your heart. That's... Uh, Psalm 27. So I'm sure Lazarus had read that psalm, probably sung it with his Hebrew Jewish brothers. And uh, that song may have been on his lips as he lay in his house. Scholars think his parents had passed away and his sister Martha, his sister Mary were there. They had sent word to the healer, to the one who had cured headaches, fevers, demonic oppression, all kinds of physical problems, and they were like Jesus' besties. They were in the in crowd. Jesus stayed at their house. They sent a message to Jesus, and he didn't come. you got to wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. And so maybe, maybe Lazarus had his sisters sing with him that song. Wait on the Lord, he will strengthen thine heart. Wait on the Lord. And as the time goes by, Lazarus is getting a little bit weaker. Wait on the Lord. And Lazarus was probably just like a teenager. He was young, likely. Um, Mary uh, seems as young, and Lazarus, uh, uh, they think, was uh, the youngest sibling. So they're just young kids whose parents had passed away, doing the best that they could, and now, the, the brother, who was probably going to be the best chance at providing, he's passing away. And the first thing is they're, they're losing their brother. They're losing their dear brother. But they're also losing their future livelihood and what's going to take care of them. At least for, you know, the near future before they got married. So it's a real serious situation. Well, good thing we know Jesus. Let's go 
get him. And all right, we might have to wait a few hours here. We're waiting on the Lord, but we're singing Psalm 27. No one who puts their hope in the Lord will ever be ashamed. We're putting our hope in the Lord. We're waiting on him. Wait on the Lord. Oh, yeah, Isaiah said that. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. We're singing that song. So they're singing, singing. And then Lazarus gets so weak, he can't even sing anymore. He's, he's doing all he can to breathe. And so Mary and Martha, they're doing their best to sing over him. They're singing through their tears. They're seeing their brother turn deathly colors. And this is not good. And then he's gone. The singing stops at that point. Maybe Mary, because she was, she was pretty unique in her faith, maybe she believed, you know what, that guy died, and that, 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 that woman's son passed away, and Jesus raised him from the dead. So I'm going to believe it. So she's still going, Lord, we're waiting on you. You can raise my brother up. Those who hope in you will never be ashamed. And she does that for a few hours, maybe post-mortem. So he's he's. He's dead, but she's still believing. Well, after about six hours, it's okay. He's getting stiff. It's time to ready him for burial. You know, by the end of the day, whatever, it's like, okay, put him in the tomb. The next day, 24 hours later, 48 hours later, I mean, it's dead and gone. And they are baffled. They are shivering sheep. Because here's the thing. Not only have they just lost their dear brother and they've lost their best chance at like financial security for the near future, something much greater that they've lost. They lost their hope in the one who they were trusting in. God didn't come through. I thought he would come through. So they're shaking the very core. And Lazarus, he was definitely the one who was most at peace out of three of them, by far. Lazarus was just, he was like, he was, I'm not sure how it all works, you know, in, you know, eternity and stuff, but his spirit was at rest. He wasn't stressed out anymore. And Jesus showed up at just the right time, at the appointed hour, because it was all strategic. It had to happen like this. It had to happen on that day. It had to be that time passed. It had to be. He was doing something in Martha's heart. He was doing something in Mary's heart. He was doing something in the nation so that Caiaphas would order that he would be killed because it was such a crazy thing after four days at Lazarus. It was all strategic. Everything lined up. Guys, we are in that strategic hour. It's all lining up. What he's doing personally in your Mary heart, in your Martha heart, in your Lazarus lifeless body. He's doing something strategic, and it lines up with what he's doing geographically, with what he's doing nationally. It's time to let loose and you be like Lazarus. We have that permission legally. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have permission to be a dead Lazarus lying there you have permission to be dead and Lazarus had no idea about his future do you think he had any idea but especially after 48 hours maybe like his spirit was hovering above his body for a few hours maybe I'll come back He, he had no idea totally dead brain dead heart dead body dead blood dead bone dead dead 
totally dead, okay? He knew nothing. He was dumber than a sheep. He, he, I mean, at least a sheep can go, bah. Lazarus, that's not him. That's a cricket in there with him. It's a cave cricket. He was doing nothing, nothing, nothing. And in that state of nothingness, less than a dumb sheep, lifeless Lazarus heard the word of the Lord. The one who can make rocks cry out. The one who can make bones that have been dead for decades resurrect another body, Elisha's bones. So I want to speak over you. The lifelessness of Lazarus. That is a safe place for you to be. Lying like Lazarus with no idea what's going on, with no idea what your future is. I want to bless you with that. I want to bless you with the bravery to be like that. It's the brave who will lie lifeless. It's those who will trust who will lie in that dark place waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being who you are. Father, we're such a mess. We're, we're messy. We're dumb. But Lord, we don't even want to look at ourselves too long, not because we're self-loathing. You have fearfully and wonderfully made us, but right now, you're showing us that we don't know anything. Would you please show us your shepherding heart? Would you please... Help us feel you carrying us, your little lambs, close to your heart. Would you give us bravery to lie lifeless like Lazarus? Would you grant that to us? Would you give us the humility to be ignorant, helpless sheep? To be who we really are? Those who are brave enough to bath will become the lions of the tribe of Judah. Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless each person here with a new grace to trust you. We turn from not trusting to trust. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us receive more grace to trust. Jesus, we look to you. And we just want to say, Jesus, and we hope this like touches your heart. We say, Jesus, those who wait on you will not be ashamed. We say, Jesus, that we believe you're going to shout our names and that we're going to live. We believe that in the darkness, in the deadness. We just, our hearts say to you out of love because we love you. We say you're going to come through for us and no one who hopes in you will ever be ashamed. Amen.